Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, we're in 1 Thessalonians. Last week we went through chapter 1. Now, chapter 1 had to do with Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, telling them how good they were. Paul's a master at writing letters. Uh, when they teach that letter writing class in school, they should follow his example. Chapter 1, this is how good you are. We love you. You're doing this. The word is your reputation. You're wonderful. You're great. Chapter 2, <laughs> you need to listen to me, and here's why. Okay? You need to listen to me. Here's why. That's what he's going to say. So what we're going to look at tonight, Paul tells them why you should listen. So I want to just apply it to us. When you talk to someone about Christ, why should they listen to you? Fair question, right? So Paul tells them, here's why you can listen to me, and I think we can apply that to us. So it begins with that there's success in spite of terrible treatment. Now here's what you have to know. If you share the good news, not everybody thinks it's good. And when you share that and do that, it might not be received well. And so what he says was, look, we were treated horribly but we were successful. Now, we would think, well, if I'm successful, they would love me. They'd throw a parade in my honor. You know, it would just be great, and everybody would be loving. No, no, no. So, here's what he says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. We came to you, we shared with you, we did not fail. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi, Philippians, just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Shares the good news, suffers because of it. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So, in other words, conflict does not mean failure. And you can't get discouraged just because, well, I tried that once, it didn't work, I guess I might as well quit. He said, look, I was persecuted for it, that didn't stop me, that didn't discourage me, I did what I was supposed to do, I came to you, I gave you this message, and I had the courage to do that, and in spite of the opposition, not knowing how you're going to respond to me, I'm still going to do what's right. And so you and I have to understand that whenever you share with people your walk, your faith, your testimony, your story, the principles of Scripture, some will get ticked off at you. Some will be mad. Some will say bad things. But that should not discourage you. You keep on going. And as you read Paul's letters throughout the New Testament, that's what you see him doing. Great opposition there. It was horrible. We suffered. But when we came to you, okay, we're going to do this all again, not knowing how you're going to do it. And so we gave you that news, and we kept doing it. He knew who he was, knew what he was called to do, and continued to do it no matter what. Because your responsibility, my responsibility, is to share 
the gospel and how it is received and how it's changed, that's your issue. I'm still responsible to do what I need to do, no matter how people receive it. So, terrible treatment, but there was success because we shared the gospel. The good news went forth, that's successful. Seeds are planted. We know that. So, he then goes on to say, we never tried to trick you. Um, In other words, we're not like the used car salesman. We don't do the bait and switch. We don't say this and then do this. We don't try to manipulate them and trick them. People can spot that a mile away, can't they? So he says to them, look, we were suffered, but we never tried to trick you. Notice what he says. So you can see we're not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Now, this word preaching, I'm going to use it again, but I want you to kind of get, well, pastor, this isn't me. I'm not a preacher. There's another word you can put in here that's very similar. We proclaim, and that's what we all do. We were not proclaiming with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. So he, he gives them this. He says, look, we never tried to preach you. Here it is. So I want to kind of deal into these verses here, these four verses, and kind of look at what we can take away when we proclaim and what we do. And so he says, first of all, we're preaching with the right motives. In other words, we proclaim. Why do we share the good news? because of the motives. What's the right motive? The right motive is, I'm concerned about you, and I want to honor God. I'm concerned about where you're at. I love you. I care for you. I want to please God. We're not going to deceive you. We're not going to lure you in with something. I just thought of several things, and I'm not sure I should say them. Um, you know, we're not going to invite you over to the house to, uh, let's come over and watch a football game. And then when you get there, I'm going to turn it off and preach to you during halftime. Now, we don't do that kind of stuff. You know, uh, we're not like that. But there's always going to be people who question the motives. You know, Paul, Paul understood that. That's why he writes to them, look, we didn't try to do this out of trickery or anything else. Are we proclaiming? Are we sharing? Are we doing what we need to do with the right heart for God? Do I have the right motives? Just not so I can get another notch on the belt. Oh, yeah, I got that one. Now let's go get another. It's, it's about a real concern and burden for people. Secondly, we want to please God. Now, Paul gets pretty close here, and I, I want to make sure we understand this. I'm not trying to please people. Now, at the same time, I'm not trying to be a jerk. 
I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to try and please you, but I'm not going to try to run you over either. I, I care about you. I will share what I need to share. And I hope you like it, but if you don't, okay, I'm okay with that because I know i got to please God. I want to tell you the truth. And so my heart is that. I'm not going to try to do this and to, to do the things that you will just, oh, you're wonderful. Blah. No, I'm pleasing God. And so that means that I want to talk to you in a manner that honors God. Now, here's the thing about God. God always respects a person's free will. They always have a choice, don't they? Now, God has a way of pushing you gently. He has a way of working in you, doesn't he? But he always respects your free will. And you and I have to do that with others as well. I want to please God in this. I'm not out to please people. I'm not doing this because of what somebody else will say. I'm not doing it because of what people think of me. I'm doing it because I want God to be pleased. So when I talk to somebody, I'm doing this, God, I want to please you in this conversation. I want you to be honored in this. I want to do what's right. We're not pretending to be your friend. He, he uses a little line there. It's always kind of great. I'm not after your money. Yeah. Because sometimes when you go to share with people, what do you want? Right? What are you trying to get? Where They feel like they're being used. And so what Paul said to them is, look, I'm not trying to do this and pretending to be your friend. I really am your friend. I really am this way. I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like we're best friends when we're not. And Paul writes to them and says, look, this isn't pretentious on our part. This isn't something we're going to do to, because we're putting on a front or a face pretending to be something we're not. And then he says, we don't need human praise. It's hard to please both God and people. Because many times when you please God, you won't please other people. You won't even please sometimes other Christians. Because they won't understand you. They'll question your motives. They'll question, oh, they're just after this. They're just doing it because of this. Because we are a bunch of cynics, aren't we? And so I have to understand. Here's the hard thing for us to get. I... You, we have to wait to heaven before we hear well done. Well, how do I know? I have the heart that is there that I'm going to do the right motives. I'm going to do this because I want to please God. I'm not going to be a fake when I do this. And I want God to be honored. And I will know one day that I did what I needed to do. Because sometimes you can talk to somebody and think you were a complete failure when in reality you planted that seed and it will take a while to germinate and it might take some other people to come along and plant as well. So you never can judge by, oh, I shared this, I said this, and there was no response, they didn't do anything. You know, you never know. You never know.
But Paul said, look, okay, we were persecuted, we suffered, we weren't received well, but we were successful. How could he say that? Because the good news went forth. Because the message was set. Now that means there's this little thing called timing. None of us like to have someone knock on our door and try to preach at us, do we? None of your neighbors like you to take advantage of them so that you can get in a good word. You have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the opportunities that He puts in front of you when they're there. And so I wait, do what I know God wants me to do, do it in a manner that honors Him, knowing that He will be faithful. I'll do my part. God will still work. Okay? Then he says, we treated you with love. I want you to understand something. I, I want to talk to you because he's got some things he's going to be saying to them. I think you're this, but you remember when we talked with you, when we were there, we treated you with love. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. I had a right to tell you to do this. I had a right to put my foot down, so to speak. My position gave me the right to do that. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. You see the relationship that's here? The gospel is best shared with people you have a relationship with. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless towards all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for He called you to share in His kingdom and glory. So, Paul uses three illustrations here to talk to them about how he was with them and how he shared with them. First of all, he said, we were like children with you. We are like children with you. Now, what is it about children that we know? They're candid. Okay? They'll tell you things that an adult sh wouldn't say. Because kids are innocent, aren't they? They're innocent in what they do, but they're going to tell you the truth. Ooh, you look bad. Ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, that's horrible. Ooh, this tastes yucky. Ooh, you know, that's what kids do. And he said, we're like children among you. We didn't pull punches, but at the same time, we did it out of innocence. We didn't out of trying to hurt you, you know. Kid walks up to you and says, you know, you, got, you, you don't look good today. You know, your hair is all fuzzy looking and everything. It's weird. They don't mean to hurt you. They're just stating, you know. It's the way it looks, right? 
innocence, but candid, honest. He says, we were, we were like children with you. We didn't purposely try to beat you up. We didn't try to point out bad things. We, we cared about you, but we told you the truth. A mother. A mother is caring. A mother is the one that when the child falls down and scrapes its knee, picks it up, washes it off, wipes the tears, hugs. It's going to be okay. You're all right. That's a mom. And he says, we were like a mother with you. We cared about you. Not just a mother, but as a mother feeds her own child. We gave you the best. We wanted to care about you, help you, because we really care about what's going on in your life. And then he uses the father. The father, when the child falls, says, get up, you'll be okay. Right? Father's canted, and the father corrects. You know what? There's correction that needs to be done, and I love you so much, I'm not going to overlook it. I care about you, and I'll care for you, and I'm going to tell you the truth, but we're going to look at that, and we're going to correct things that need to be corrected. And so he uses that great picture there that lets them know, look, we were like children with you. We were like a mother with you. We were like a father with you. That's a great way to relate to people, that you have that caring concern for them, that, that you want to do everything you can. He says, we, we did everything we could do to care, to tell you the truth, and to do it in a manner that implied relationship. Father, mother, family. Family. But then, how do you lead? How do you, how do, you do this? How do you come to a place where you say what needs to be said, proclaim what needs to be proclaimed, and do it in a manner that honors God and, and you do well. Okay? First of all, you work. You have to get up in the morning, turn off the alarm clock, and purposely go to work, don't you? And work isn't always easy, is it? See, we want it to be easy. We want everything to be simple. We don't want to have to work at this. And yet, if I'm going to share the, the good news to people, I have to work. Ministry is hard work because you work for the Lord. You have to do what He wants you to do. And there's a lot of people that don't serve God and do what God wants them to do because it's inconvenient. Oh, I don't have time to talk to somebody. I've got this going on and this going on, and I'm so busy. I just can't do that. And, you know, I don't want to take the time. And, and I, I've just got these other types of things going on. And we get so consumed with work, it's like the, the parent who is so concerned with work that they neglect their family. They've got their eyes in the wrong place. They're spending their energy well for one thing, but not well for another. And so I have to understand that if I'm going to have opportunity to share Christ, I have to work at it. I have to work at opening a door. 
I have to work in investing my life into a relationship with someone to get the opportunity to be able to speak. It's not simple. It's not just convenient all the time. It's work. And Paul says, we worked among you because we didn't want to be a burden to you. We wanted you to see the way that we lived, and we wanted to do this because people are watching you, aren't they? And then he says, there's a walk. Not only do I have to work at it, here's the line that we use sometimes, I have to walk the talk. It's one thing to act one way. It's another thing when your actions don't match up with your words. And so I have to set an example. One of the great things that Paul wrote has always been a, a, a struggle, I think, for a lot of people. You know, we, um, well, you know, don't look at me. I'm not perfect. Don't look at me. I don't have everything together. Follow Christ. You know, don't keep your eyes on me. And yet in reality, the only Jesus people are going to see sometimes is you. And so Paul's able to say these great words, you follow me as I follow Christ. You can follow me and act like I act because I'm going to take you to the right place. I am not perfect. I don't have it all together all the time. But I am on this journey that I'm going to follow Christ. Because when you're sharing, uh, proclaiming, and talking about Christ with people, they're not looking for somebody that's perfect because they know they can never be perfect. They're looking for somebody who's real. And somebody who honestly, this is what you say you believe, your life matches it up. Not perfect, not got everything all together, but at least you are going in that direction and attempting to do that. And so you live a life of holiness, separation, of righteousness, of character, so that people can watch you and say, okay, you are different. You do say these things, and I see that you back that up. And we take notice of that. Um, I've been involved over the years in different organizations. And at times, you know, they have different events and everything. And, uh, and some of the times they're doing a, a thing that they want to have done where they're selling stuff. They're doing a, uh, not a carnival, but some sort of open house type thing or something like that. And, and alcohol will be served. And I, I've never said a word about it. I've never, oh, you shouldn't be serving that. Oh, I can't ever do that. I've never said that. But it's fascinating to me how that when they're looking for people who can do this, they automatically know you can't. It's fascinating. Because people watch and listen. And so I have to understand that I have a way to live that everyone else is watching. And if I'm not living right, I don't have a right to talk. If I'm not being the person I need to be, me trying to talk about something I'm not doing is not going to help. It's going to hurt. And so I have to work at it. I have to walk with it. And then I have to use the right words. Somehow we've got in our mind that preaching is condemning. Jesus 
oftentimes in his relationship with other people looked at them. Remember the one lady? Where are your condemners? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. People don't need to be beat up. Most people know that some of the stuff they're doing is wrong. They just need to be given some hope and some instruction on how to live. You encourage. You give them the truth. You comfort them. You hold them accountable. Look at verse 12 there that we read. He says, we pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you. You know, it's just, look, why don't you do this? It's going to be great. You can do this. You can make this. It's a life you want to live. So it's a very positive thing telling truthfully, not, not avoiding the difficult things, but not being overbearing. And you live your why, lives in a way that God considers worthy. And it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And so I have to use the right words at the right time, understanding that's part of the responsibility that you and I have. And if I want to share the gospel, the good news with people, I have to live a life that backs it up. People are attracted to that. Verse 12, back to where we were, the last line, so to speak, in this text that we've looked at tonight. He says, we're privileged to share in His kingdom and glory. What a privilege it is to share the kingdom of God. What a privilege it is to walk in that kingdom. What a privilege it is to give God glory. What's God's business on earth? God's business on earth is people coming to Christ and salvation. What a privilege it is to share in that. The glory of it, Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I confidently, joyfully look forward to sharing the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. Why do we share the good news? Because it gives God glory. Why do we live on this earth? To honor Him and to do everything we can to help other people know the good news. So as we talk about that, the simple question is this, how are you doing with that? See, sometimes we just go about our business and as long as everybody leaves us alone, we're great. But sometimes we need to look, work a little harder at putting ourselves into a place or having an opportunity to be able to share rightly. And Paul writes to these people, tells them how great they are, chapter 1, now chapter 2, here's why you need to listen to me. I love you. I care for you. 
I'm going to treat you right. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to do this not because of me, not because of a reward that I want. I'm going to tell you this because it honors God. And one day, I want to get to heaven and hear, well done. Well done. And that's what we live for. How are you doing with that? Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you. For you thinking that we are capable of sharing with others the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's an awesome privilege, an awesome responsibility. And Lord, we know that not in and of ourselves do we have the ability. But Lord, we do what you've asked us to do knowing that you are the one who brings people to you as we plant a seed. So God, as we go from this place tonight, would you help us just to be a little bit more aware of opportunities that may come our way to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ? And would you help our lives to be lived in a way that others can watch us and listen to us and see the difference so that when we speak our words, they have an impact. And we go to live, to do that, and to honor you and to give you glory. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.